T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This past week, the Center for Tax and Budget Accountability held its more or less annual budget symposium the respected analysis group skipped last year because of COVID-19. This year, the focus was on equity, and the talk was about a lot more than numbers, even when it was about numbers. Our elected officials in Springfield are a lot of things. They are not wasteful spenders. They are not drunken sailors. But they do have a lot to say. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The Center for Tax and Budget Accountability Symposium took place at Roosevelt University and drew a decent mask-wearing crowd to hear some frank talk about the state budget, the challenges, and how Illinois' finances are having different effects on populations around the state. CTBA Executive Director Ralph Martiri, who teaches public policy at Roosevelt, helped kick things off with a diagnosis of the state's fiscal condition and tried dispelling what he says are misconceptions. Many people try to blame the state's deficits, not on revenue, but on overspending. And I tell you what, our elected officials in Springfield are a lot of things. They are not wasteful spenders. They are not drunken sailors. All, all this rhetoric is off point when you look at something called the data. He sought to make a point by displaying a chart showing the state's spending over the last couple of decades. So you go to that far left-hand column there. That's the fifth fiscal year 2000's enacted general fund budget for education, healthcare, human services, and public safety. Why are those services highlighted? That's where the state spends 95 cents out of every dollar on services, right here. Now, education has a couple of subcategories, right? It has K-12, higher ed, and early childhood. But the bottom line is, historically, the state of Illinois has spent 95 cents out of every dollar just funding these four core service areas. The point being, there's little argument about the need to spend on those high priorities. Still, there's that revenue problem. And Martiri made the case for state lawmakers as he introduced the keynote speaker of the day. I think Springfield gets a bad rap a lot of times. The fiscal problems they've had to deal with are real. And it's of none of their making. These are all long-term structural issues. And yet they're coming together and working to not only create budgets, but try to find a way to continue to make adequate levels of investment in education, health, social services, and public safety. So I think we should find ways to support our elected officials and support their efforts 
to walk down this path of fiscal responsibility and try to get the state's house in order. So it's my great honor to bring up to us now the Speaker of the House, Chris Welch. You know, the Speaker has a long history in public service, and you could read his bio in our materials. He was a school board member, state representative, served on higher ed committees, revenue committees, executive committees. He's been committed to things like ensuring classroom instruction is enhanced and improved. He's ensuring MAP grant assistance gets to our neediest students so they could attend university, they could attend college, they could get a degree. And all that's in his resume. But that's not what's most important about Speaker Welch. Speaker Welch is committed to making this state a better place. He's consistently been a very, very decent and approachable individual who's willing to work with anyone to try to make the state a better place to live in. I'm honored that Speaker Welch agreed to come here today and thrilled to listen to what his comments will be. Speaker. House Speaker Emanuel Chris Welch had just come from a news conference talking about billions in federal COVID recovery dollars coming to Illinois, and now he was ready to talk about how the state's handling its own finances. I honestly do believe that we are making great strides. Uh, our most recently passed budget is evidence that our Democratic caucus has these shared values that I'm talking about here this morning. During the midst of a global pandemic, we kept the day-to-day -day operations of government going and delivered services to every single corner of the state. We prioritized undeserved communities and communities disproportionately hit by COVID with hundreds of millions of dollars in healthcare, housing, small businesses, schools, and government assistance. And most importantly, we put Illinois on a road to fiscal stability and responsibility by paying down billions of dollars in debt and earning the first credit upgrades in a quarter of a century. The first credit upgrades in a quarter of a century. I mean, not one, not two, but three credit ratings agencies upgraded uh, our ratings. That's, that's just been unheard of here in Illinois. And I think that we proved that we don't have to balance the budget on the backs of working families or take away vital state services that help the people of this state succeed. You know, that was a big thing that was happening a few years ago under a prior governor when the, the thought was that in order to, to um, fiscal stability and prosperity was to cut, 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 cut. But at that time I was chair of the Higher Education Committee and they hadn't been invested in in over 20 years, in over two decades. The solution was not to continue to disinvest in our universities. We have to find a way to invest. We're gonna build back a better Illinois by investing. And that's what we did in this 2021 budget. We also reduced our bill backlog from what was 17 billion just a few years ago uh, during the round of error and is now down to $3 billion. That's a big step in the right direction. And we're just getting started. We closed $655 million in corporate tax loopholes to protect our middle class, the backbone of our state and our nation, while ensuring that our wealthiest corporations who profited significantly 
during the pandemic significantly, made sure that those corporations pay their fair share. We improved our structural deficit situation for the next fiscal year by over $1 billion. And we accelerated repayment of debt to the federal government to save all of our taxpayers tens of millions of dollars. And we did this, we did all of this, Ralph, in making, and we made every single required pension payment bill in full. No pension holidays on our watch. We paid our pension payment in full. And we also did all this, and we didn't raise taxes to do any of it. The speaker also answered questions from the audience written on cards, which he was happy to read. Ralph Martiri laid out a rather dire future for the state. You talked about what has been done. How will you address the projected revenue shortfall? Well, I will tell you that I, I think Ralph has just been telling the truth for a number of years. And, um, you know, in fact, I actually always reach out to him uh, for his, his uh, expertise and knowledge. And he was one of the folks that drove down to Springfield and sat with me for a little while and, and counseled me uh, this past session. Uh, I, I share the opinion that Illinois has a revenue problem. Uh, I've always thought that Illinois has a revenue problem. Uh, and we're going to have to figure out how to address that revenue problem in the future. Fortunately for us, for the next uh, three, four years, we have uh, the American Rescue Plan dollars that are helping us along. And I think that gives us time to, to plan. And again, we have to plan as both parties working together. Not one party is going to get this done. We're going to have to do this together. I also think what just happened in Washington on Friday night with the passage of the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill is huge, historic, monumental. Again, that's going to give us opportunity to plan and, and do some things along the way. Um, you know, the, the voters spoke. They, they, they were pretty uh, uh, resounding in their message last November on the fair tax question. But I think that we do have to, you know, go back to the drawing board and say, why did that fail? What, what was the message that the voters were telling us? And as a group, uh, we, need to know, we need to have a plan coming for three, four years from now on how we're going to address the revenue shortfalls. We do have a revenue problem, and how we address that is going to be very critically important. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's Ad Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and you're hearing from the Center for Tax and Budget Accountability's Symposium on the Budget and Equity. I was asked to moderate a panel discussion that day and honored to do it. The participants were Chicago State Senator Maddie Hunter, who chairs the Democratic Caucus, Bloomington State Representative Dan Brady, the Deputy House Republican leader, and Cameron Mock, who's Chief of Staff for the Governor's Office of Management and Budget. I asked each of them to describe what equity means to them when it comes to the state budget. Senator Hunter went first. Good morning, everyone. And uh, Ralph, thank you so much for inviting me. You know, you've been doing this for 20 years, and I've been in, in session in a, in a, as a legislator for a little over 18 years, and this is the first time he's invited me to come and speak here. But anyway, it's nice. Dan, it's so good to, to be here with you once again. And uh, Cameron, it's good to see you again. Um, I represent the third legislative district, and actually Roosevelt University sits in my district, so I am you all senator here. 
Uh, as stated earlier, I am the Majority Caucus Chair, and uh, I am really excited to be here uh, with you guys this morning uh, to discuss the state's fiscal um, situation. I know that uh, our state has not always been on, on the best track financially, but we've made significant strides in the last few years. Um, as you all know, we've uh, recently gotten good ratings from uh, Standard & Poor and Moody's uh, and Fitch, who noted our improving economic conditions. So while I am ecstatic about these ratings, in addition to other progress we've made legislatively, I see our state moving even further in the future of financial wellness and equity. Equality, I'm sorry. My vision for the people of Illinois includes more of a commitment to the underserved communities. I want to close the gaps in wealth between the poor and the wealthier um, areas of our state so that every neighborhood has the same uh, access to resources that will uplift and sustain them. I grew up in public housing here in Chicago, um, uh, Robert Taylor Homes um, on, on, on State Street, attended DuSable Elementary, um, DuSable High School, and I've seen firsthand the inequities that came from living in a certain zip code and with um, so many opportunities withheld because of the stigma that um, comes with one's neighborhood. Um, that's why as long as I have been in politics, and even before then, I've advocated for more intentionality around making our state's systems and services more fair and equitable to the people of all backgrounds. Um, this goes for, far, for fair access to health care, education and housing, business opportunities, you name it. We are so much closer to equality, equity, equality, I'm sorry, than we were even years, 10 years ago. And I know that with proper guidance and funding, we can execute this vision together. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. And now, Representative Brady, please give us your answer. Well, first off, thank you very much, Craig. And it's, it's great to listen to you. It's even better to see you in person. Likewise, thank you. Um, and to all of you there in the audience, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here, uh, to Ralph and to your entire associates uh, for putting on this uh, symposium. Um, and Craig, I, I, I remember that those, those elections you're talking about with all those Bradys, and I think it was the only one in the state where on yard signs, our first name was bigger than our last. So it uh, brings back some money. And certainly, Cameron, good to be with you, and thank you, thank you very much. Um, Full disclosure, uh, I have um, a son who is just down the street at another university, um, Columbia. Uh, but this is my first real opportunity to see some of Roosevelt. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and son Tom, people like, <clears throat> you're not really Tom Brady's dad. I said, yes, I am. But he's going to be the Tom Brady of film someday. So we're hopeful. We're hopeful for that. But it's great to be here at Roosevelt because it's, it is a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, facility. Um, I think that uh, in, in respect to my colleagues, it's great to be with Senator Hunter and uh, the speaker. Uh, I think the speaker is, has exited, and I, I always jokingly say that 
uh, you heard I'm a funeral director by trade. And I always said, I, I, when it's my turn, I want the speaker to come and preach because he can always make whatever it is sound better. So we look forward to, to continuing working with him uh, in the house. Um, in regards to the equity question and what it means, um, I, I think we have to start with, first off, the understanding that government can't be everything to all people. We simply can't do that. And attempts have been made to do that, but we can't do that. We have to prioritize, in my opinion. Um, and this is my opinion. Uh, in, in public education, public safety, public infrastructure, in human services, and those who truly, truly need our help in human services and help across the state. Those priorities, I think, have, have been lost over the years. I'll take you back to 2001. In 2001, when I first came in the House, allegedly, we had a balanced budget. We paid our bill in 30, uh, bills in 30 days. We had a rainy day fund with millions in it and a surplus. Fast forward to where we're out today. I did see, um, I think, encouragement and brightness on the horizon. Uh, and then COVID hit. And COVID has, obviously, to all of us, what, whatever our walk of life is, whatever our uh, businesses, whatever government is, has, has devastated, and the rebuilding obviously is going to take, take some, some major, major years of time. Um, that a torpedo that no one saw coming, just when things were starting to look a little brighter on a lot of different fronts. So we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we have to go on. Um, just think where we were around this time a year ago to where we are today and what we've been able to navigate through with COVID. In particular, I serve uh, as minority spokesman on higher education, and that is something that probably my marks will gravitate back to, or my answers may gravitate back to more than anything else. Pleasure to be with you, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you very much, Representative. Now, Cameron Mark, uh, from the perspective of the, uh, the governor's office, what does equity mean? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with, uh, um, with Leader um, and Senator uh, Hunter. Um, I, you know, I feel that uh, for equity in terms of the state budget, that the, the burden of the inputs, if you will, the revenue need to fall primarily on those who have been able to flourish in the, this environment that has partially been created by uh, government and the taxpayers, uh, and that the outputs of those revenues vis-a-vis uh, -vis expenditures should benefit those primarily who have not been able to flourish in this environment. And at risk at, uh, you know, kind of rehashing just the general definition of equity, I can point to a couple of examples where, at least in, that I've had firsthand knowledge of trying to rewrite um, this fiscal ship and in doing so trying to provide for those who have gone underserved or underrepresented for years. Um, you know, the evidence-based funding was a huge step forward when I was at um, Chicago, Chicago Public Schools, I negotiated that bill on behalf of the city. Um, and the huge step there was we used to just assume every student costs generally the same amount of money to educate. And uh, while that may check somebody's equality box in that everybody's getting equal input, we know that that was not equitable because based on the underlying um, environmental factors and other issues, there's a certain, certain portions of the population that uh, face a much larger uphill battle to achieve the same outcomes um, as others. And so uh, it follows that those individuals need additional resources to put them on an equal playing field. So the evidence-based funding formula that we got done 
uh, helped negotiate that with Ralph in 2017 was a monumental task. Um, fair tax, while it did not pass, that was another example of um, trying to uh, adjust the revenues so that the burden falls primarily on those who can most afford, and in the meantime, making sure we don't run deficits in human services and other critical areas that primarily benefit the underserved. And they don't just benefit the underserved, but the wealthy run businesses and operate communities where they need uh, the less fortunate to actually thrive in order to keep uh, uh, their profits going, to keep their businesses running, really even though a lot of people like to focus on the benefits, direct benefits of human services and public education, those are underpinnings of a strong economy which ultimately help the wealthy as well. So uh, we, there's a couple examples in tax policy and in education finance policy, but finally even just through business incentives. So we just passed the, uh, the Reimagining Electric Vehicles Act, which was a large incentive in the state uh, to get electric vehicle manufacturers to Illinois. Um, and while that would on its face seem to be just uh, tax handouts to businesses, what we've done there is um, we've provided an added incentive for these businesses to locate in underserved areas. So almost every version of the, of the tax credit that they can claim, uh, they get additional dollars if they locate in an underserved area. So these are examples of how you can implement policies that are both sound fiscally, but also target the dollars in the most equitable way possible. And even something as, you know, as pro-business as, as uh, tax incentives, you can tailor those in a way that help uh, close the equity gap and get us closer uh, to a more equitable um, uh, state financial picture, if you will. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and you're hearing from the Center for Tax and Budget Accountability Symposium on the Budget and Equity. We're in the midst of a discussion I moderated with State Representative Dan Brady from Bloomington, Chicago State Senator Maddie Hunter, and Cameron Mock with the Governor's Office of Management and Budget. All three lawmakers are very involved in education funding matters, so they were anxious to talk about Illinois' evidence-based funding plan now in place. It will provide an equitable basis for funding schools when it's fully funded, but that might not be for 20 years. I asked Senator Maddie Hunter what happens until then. She says the general public should get involved while lawmakers work things out. And so we expect to, uh, to work with and hear from people like Ralph uh, we have some of the best educational institutions here in Illinois, uh, and you guys have the data. We don't have as much data. You guys collect the data. You run the stats. You know, so, so let's sit down and let's work it out. Uh, community people, everyone has a voice. You know, I don't care what, what socioeconomic status you're on. Um, we need to hear from you. And not let, do not sit back, as many of you have been, and not participate in the electoral and the, and the political and the governmental process. And lest you think that lawmakers are too busy fighting to get anything done, Representative Dan Brady pointed out that Democrats and Republicans quietly worked together, even during the budget standoff under then-Governor Bruce Rauner. What came out that particular first year, and eventually Senator Honor was part of our bipartisan working group where we didn't have legislation to come together. Some representatives and senators um, on both sides that particularly served on higher education committees and were very concerned for our nine major state universities and our 12 universities overall in the state. <clears throat> and looking long term what this was going to be, and no one thought there would be another year of a budget impasse, and there was, in particular under higher education. And I believe that our working group and some 
good things that came out of that, and it continues to this day, <clears throat> is um, the AIM High program, grant programs, areas we wanted to get in to make sure that tangibly students, students were receiving financial aid help to try and keep them in Illinois, and for Illinois to be as competitive as possible with all the st bordering states in particular that take our students, and those students don't come back. <clears throat> One of the areas that eluded us, continues to evade us, uh, in my opinion, is a funding formula for higher education in the state, much like K through 12. I think it, it's something that is extremely important. It's something that um, probably evades us because once you start talking about that, there become winners and there become some losers, uh, depending on how it's put together. Cameron Mock from the governor's budget office points out people who despise paying property taxes may have to be patient, but relief is on the way for many of them. What came up that particular first year, and eventually Senator Hunter was part of our bipartisan working group, where we didn't have legislation to come together. Some representatives and senators um, on both sides that particularly served on higher education committees and were very concerned for our nine major state universities and our 12 universities overall in the state. <clears throat> and looking long term, what this was going to be, and no one thought there would be another year of a budget impasse, and there was in particular into higher education. And I believe that our working group and some of the good things that came out of that, and it continues to this day, <clears throat> is um, the AIM High program, grant programs, areas we wanted to get in to make sure that tangibly students, students were receiving financial aid help to try and keep them in Illinois, and for Illinois to be as competitive as possible with all the st bordering states in particular that take our students, and those students don't come back. One of the areas that eluded us, continues to evade us, uh, in my opinion, is a funding formula for higher education in the state, much like K through 12. I think it's something that is extremely important. It's something that um, probably evades us because once you start talking about that, there become winners and there become some losers. Cameron Mock from the governor's budget office points out people who despise paying property taxes may have to be patient, but relief is on the way for many of them. The evidence-based uh, funding formula over time is seeking to uh, supplant and supplement um, the property taxes. So we're in a position here where I think more school districts are getting more money in their coffers, but they're not quite ready to pull the trigger on reducing the property taxes. My hope is that over time, as we, as we seek to find additional revenues for the evidence-based funding formula, that'll reduce property taxes. And from an equity standpoint, I mean, you got into places like Harvey and, and the, I mean, their composite tax rate is like 40%. Um, uh, you know, there are areas of the state that are taxing themselves to death and they have to, to be able to fund just a bare minimum of education. Um, so if we can find monies to, monies to keep pump, pumping in and if we get supplemental or surplus revenues and keep adding it to the formula, my hope is that it'll alleviate that pressure on property taxes and create a more equitable system um, statewide. During the audience Q&A period, one person wanted to know why lawmakers don't try to pass the graduated income tax again to address Illinois' revenue problem. Democratic Senator Maddie Hunter says she'd like to, but voters gave it a solid no the last time. I thought that the opposition did a great job in getting their message out, which tainted the, the, the real voters who were who should have been out there voting. Uh, voters were confused. Uh, they didn't know whether they should have, should have uh, voted for it or not. Uh, because here we are with 
misinformed uh, constituents, you know, who are not familiar with uh, the process. And so I would like for uh, us to sit down and, and talk and try to get this thing back on the ballot again because we desperately, desperately need the funding in this state so that we can level the playing field and make things right or better, much better. Republican Representative Dan Brady didn't rule out the so-called fair tax at some point, but certainly not right now. Uh, the voters just spoke. Nobody wants to pay more taxes. And the voters made it clear that with the flat tax, that until you can demonstrate to us, Springfield, and this may be where we get the rap and the rap that we deserve, uh, in my opinion, uh, until you can show us you're doing with the money we send you what you're supposed to do and you're prioritizing that, we're not going to be sending you more of our money. And I think that there's a number of ways in which um, the electorate, Illinoisans across the state, could be convinced that we could be better fiscal stewards of their dollars. It was a morning of frank discussion during the Center for Tax and Budget Accountability Symposium, and my thanks to CTBA Director Ralph Martiri and his team for allowing me to take part. Thanks also to House Speaker Chris Welsh, Senator Maddie Hunter, Representative Dan Brady, and Cameron Mock from the Budget Office. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.